This chicken. You go. No, you go. No, you go. No, you go. Casey's go. face with her mouth. <laughs> Is it me? Is it me? It's like, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> we're back. Yes. We were kind of sleep deprived today. A little bit. Happens mm-hmm. sometimes. After the football party last night, and now I've had a close to 24 hours to mourn. Yeah. So you're feeling better? Uh, <laughs> uh, I just, I'm trying not to think about it. Okay. I, I'm not a big fan of sitting with my grief. <laughs> I'm a big fan of not practicing what I preach. Just, yeah, running from those monsters. Yes. But just kidding, sort <laughs> of. Um, too much was going on today to really be sad. And then it just feels silly to be sad over football. So Yeah, well. It's ambiguous grief. Yeah. Ambiguous grief. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so now we're here. I'm sure there are some people that got way more upset than you did. So. Oh, um, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm sure. But so you're not the worst. No, and we just bought a new TV. And so now I'm like, well, you have to take it back. <laughs> it's cursed. It's a cursed TV. So we'll see. We'll see yeah. if we keep it or if we don't. Yeah. I think it's a pretty cool TV. Remains to be seen. Oh, and we were drunk last night, too. Yeah. So that's another reason why we were, like, sleep-deprived today. Oh, yeah. Because we stayed up super late and got drunk. And if you saw our Instagram story, Yeesh. then, yeah. It was funny. It was legit. Dip-ass. Dip-ass. You dip-ass. <laughs> I still want to know what a dip-ass is. I don't know. It's a certain thing. Yeah. <laughs> I thought the door just opened. That would have been creepy. We did have, like... What, what was what? that creepy sound? That sound last night? Yeah, I have no idea. So we there was totally some something going on because the um, computer just stopped recording in the middle, uh, like it just crashed. Yeah, and it quit recording us, and then there was like a loud crash, and I was like, "What the hell was that?" I have to go look, and there was nothing. Yeah, still have no idea what it could have been. No idea. So weird. That was weird. So hmm. hopefully so. that doesn't happen again. <laughs> So hopefully Casey isn't being haunted. Yeah. Oh, God. Don't <laughs> it was the ghost of Walter Payton. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Maybe so. Maybe. Anyway, so what anyway, are we doing today? So we're going to do a research topic. Okay. And uh, yeah, so we'll we'll just roll with it. It's kind of involved. I've never done this much research for an episode before. And a little bit of is it's kind of confusing. Mm-hmm. And important and that you don't want to leave anything out but not important to the overall narrative gotcha. of the, of what's going on so okay we'll just kind of roll with it and let's see how it. it goes all right let's try it out so my inspiration for the topic came from this book by Blair Braverman called Welcome to the Goddamn Ice Cube <laughs> and it's about this woman who when she's younger goes out in search of uh, or she goes out trying to learn dog sledding and 
Katie's face. Yeah. Yes. Cool. She wants to become a dog sledder and it starts when she's in high school. Mm-hmm. So she Is it a true story? Yes, it's oh, a okay, true story. Okay. It's her memoir. Oh, gotcha. And just in one part of the book, she and a lot of it is about just the harsh life of living in a place that's that cold and yeah. the frozen ground I and the do it. Yeah. And so just the way you have to do things differently because of living in a climate like that. Yeah. So when I it got me to think about and part of it she goes to Alaska. And so that got me thinking about, you know, how do people have funerals in Alaska with yeah. burials when there's only three could only I mean, I'm not sure I wasn't sure until I started doing research how many months that the ground is even unfrozen enough to do yeah to do a burial is it yeah okay like three months out of the three to four months out of the year is the only time that they can do burials so i guess your body's well preserved yeah and i had a neighbor growing up who his brother lives in alaska Mm -hmm. and he had gone to alaska a lot so he was always telling my brother and i stories about their journeys in alaska and their adventures in alaska and it just has always sort of intrigued me. Yeah. So, and I'm always intrigued by just how people that are different from me live in the world. Yeah. Which is why I went ice fishing in Wisconsin last year. (laughs) God. My mom was like, why in the hell is Laura going ice fishing? That sounds horrible. I I don't know. It seems like she's having a good time. Because I just like to see how people that live a different way than I do. That's yeah. just a completely different yeah. lifestyle. I get that. I feel like I would enjoy it too. My mom is very much like, nope, nope. Nothing happens outside of Shelman Bluff, Georgia. Nope, nope. <laughs> I'm going to stay right here. I want my boat. I want my beer. I just want to party and have a yep. good time in retirement. Yep, yep, exactly. There you go. No reason to travel unless it's on a cruise. <laughs> uh, which will be going on in a month. Yeah. <laughs> so just with all that in mind, I sort of went on this deep dive about... Alaskan funerals and like modern funerals, the funerals of the indigenous people mm-hmm. and their different burial practices. So we'll just get started there Let's with the go. indigenous people. And for the sake of trying to be politically correct, what I read most often was clan is what they use instead of tribe or okay. whatever. So we're going to go with the word clan and and yeah, so. All right. Yeah, there we go. So there were, and then there were a lot of different clans, obviously. Mm-hmm. But we're going to just kind of go with these three different sub subgroups based on the way that they practice funerals because of their lifestyle. And that has a lot to do with whether they were in permanent settlements mm-hmm. or nomadic. So gotcha. we will start with the Aleuts. And so if you can picture Alaska, the archipelago of Alaska, mm-hmm. that's where the Aleuts lived in the Arca- in the Aleutian Islands off the coast. So along so those cold. islands. Yeah. <laughs> like wet and cold. Yes. <laughs> Two worse. Yeah. No. And so they had um, both permanent and seasonal homes. Their permanent homes consisted of underground villages on the coast. And they were a heavy sea culture known for their basketry. They believe that death stemmed from both natural and supernatural causes, and there were four main types of burial. The umquan, which were burial mounds on the edge of a bluff covered by stones. Cave burials, 
uh, where shallow graves are dug in the back of a cave, sometimes with grave goods. So, you know. So when you're saying they're underground, would that be like a cave? I'm not really sure. I didn't see any. That we'll was just, it. yeah. I mean, that, <laughs> I guess the main point is that they, their lifestyle was somewhat. They had a permanent settlement. Gotcha. And um, yeah. So I'm not real sure what <laughs> they live in yeah. a tunnel system. Yeah, right. <laughs> pretty badass. All right, cool. Yeah. I mean, pretty easy to bury people there. Yeah, you're already underground. <laughs> um, the third type of burial was sarcophagi. <laughs> Reserve. Oh, good. Which was this again. <laughs> Which was only reserved for some adult males and suggests a specific type of funeral practice with no attempt at burial. So just okay. they were just left there in the yeah. sarcophagus. And the remain and the fourth type is re- remains buried next to the house houses of the settlement. These burials consist of small pits adjacent to the houses and scattered around them. In these instances, mass graves are common for women and children. Okay. So bury them together. Yeah. And then there were also accounts, some accounts of organ removal and mummification. In these instances, the organs were replaced with grass and moss. And it sounds like they were trying to do some sort of autopsy to figure Mm -hmm. out why the person might have died. And that was the point of the organ removal. Did we decide or did we say what time period? So this would be. Don't I mean, when. okay the. The U.S. acquired Alaska in like the 1860s. Yeah, I think so. And, <laughs> and some, sure. somewhere in there. And then there was very little contact with the Alaskan people from people outside of Alaska, mm-hmm. just like the occasional whaler had a report. So there isn't a lot of stuff written down. Yeah. Um, but their customs didn't really change or didn't appear to change as we know them until the introduction of Christianity, which was depending on which clan and which part of Alaska looked like it was somewhere between 1880 and 1920. So after it was acquired from Pretty Russia. Yeah, yeah. So we're just going to say 1800s and before. Yeah. <laughs> just no more than. Yeah. 10 centuries ago yes. and when their spiritual <laughs> when their spiritualism was still based on animism so and i mean animism would basically just be everything has a spirit so the rock the aurora borealis okay. has a spirit yeah. so everything you I know mean, how are you not like spiritual when that's in your backyard yeah i mean no kidding you're just like, like well that's what created us yeah well surely <laughs> we came from that and that's that a thing some- to respect <laughs> yeah, i know yeah. right that I, yeah. is why we're here we must pay homage to that i mean of course yeah. that makes complete sense to me if yeah. you're on this frozen tundra and you don't see light for forever but then you see this beautiful yeah. light show why wouldn't that does it happen every night no i no. mean i'm pretty sure it's just during certain parts of okay. the year i know that so then even more so. i know that's how it is in the lower okay so i'm not sure i'm sure it ha- would happen more yeah, I feel like that's probably the thing Ego. I should know. But I'm not sure how often. Yeah. But point being, when you see the Aurora, bo- it couldn't have been so often. That's a bucket list for me. Yeah, me too. For sure, yeah. Oh, yeah. I wonder if my grandfather ever saw it. Because he drove to Alaska from Georgia several times. Oh, really? Yeah, that was like his big thing to do. He loved Alaska. Oh, cool. And he would drive. We'd like He would take, you know, my grandmother and sometimes 
other family members, but he always did like big road trips with us. So is this your grandfather in. that passed this year? No. no oh, no, no. okay. No, I mean, I, I say it like that because that grandfather, like, <laughs> once he got out of the military, was like, nope, nope, not never leaving about Georgia. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but um, my grandfather, um, my mom's okay. uh, maternal grandfather, yeah, um, he would take like every, almost every family member up until he died, obviously, would go on road trips and we'd always go through Yellowstone, Glacier National Park. Yeah. See Devil's Tower, Four Corners, go up to Canada, and then come back. So yeah. he went to Yellowstone, like, probably once every two years for what felt like, you know, 20 years or even oh, wow. more. Because when, when my mom was a kid, they went. and But anyway, he started going farther and farther, and he would drive to Alaska. Oh, cool. In his Aerostar van. Shout out to Aerostar. <laughs> they don't make them like they used to. No. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah. So that's really cool. Yeah. I wanted to so you have a little bit of a connection to Alaska. Yeah, I've always wanted to go. Yeah. Always. I mean, I hear it's absolutely beautiful. Which and is, I don't see, it's weird because it's like, why would I want to go there? Because it's so cold and I hate the cold. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's just something that you just deal with. You get you prepare. <laughs> you know. So my, uh, my neighbor that used to always tell us stories about Alaska, he had told us so much that we we were on spring i guess it was spring break or some some break in school mm-hmm. i was young my brother was young it was when he was probably elementary school um we <laughs> came back from break or whatever and my mom had some sort of meeting with his teachers and said asked her about our trip to alaska and my mom just went what oh no he had told <laughs> Oh no! He had told his teacher that the reason he didn't finish an assignment was because we had gone on a family trip to Alaska and knew so many details that he because of the stories that we had. Heard That's so. From did he get in neighbor? trouble, or did your mom pretend to like? No, I'm pretty sure he got in trouble. I don't remember all the details because I was a little, a kid. little kid yeah, yeah. at that time. But I just That's remember so hearing funny. the story after. You're like, what the f-? <laughs> Like, I mean, kudos. Good. I mean, there. I mean, imagine that you show up to school. You don't have your work. You're like, oh, shit. What do I, I know about? I have no, I'm a child. I have no frame of reference, reference, but I know a lot about I know Alaska. This, yeah, exactly. <laughs> this was pre-Google, pre-internet. That is so funny. <laughs> God, yeah. Well, good, good, good for him. I'm glad he got in trouble. Yes, <laughs> a little so, liar. That, <laughs> so, um, so really, that's a lot with the Aleuts. That's about as far. It, with any of these clans, you could go so much further. I'm just barely hitting the like surface. the the tip of the glacier. <laughs> The yeah. tip of the iceberg. The tip of the glacier. Yeah, the iceberg. Yeah. Yeah, because there's just so much. So if you're interested in at all, I highly suggest you look into it some more. Sure. And we'll, I'll put some links of some of the resources in our blog so that people can, you know. Learn find, more. Yeah, learn a little more. So Don't, don't cite our blog, though, if you're doing research. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't cite our blog. podcast. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> Cite no. the links yeah. that we... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So the Lingat and Haida occupied the coastal islands off the coast of British Columbia. So they were islanders, but the islands that were close to the... Yeah. We to, need a map in to here. To the ma- overall... Do you know what I'm saying? I know, because it does seem like there's so much... Yeah. Where we... And geography is just not our thing. Yeah. I mean, I know what you're saying about this, but yeah. just to envision... Because I was just thinking like, <laughs> wait, what is Canada attached to... <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, wait. Never mind. Oh, wait. Hold on just a second. <laughs> and so the Lingit spiritualism was also animism and or a form of animism. And they believe that the body is divided into different parts. And just to sort of simplify that, it was hard parts like the bone. Soft would be the flesh. And then there was also the soul spirit, you know, was mm-hmm. a, a different entity. So when someone passed away, they... Their preferred burial method was cremation because they wanted to burn away the unpure part, Mm -hmm. which would be the flesh. And then what was left would be some of the bones and then they would handle those bones in a respectful way by burial or place them on a burial pole, Mm -hmm. which and then so that was their form, like the burning of the the burning of the flesh allowed the person to go on to be in the great bonfire in the sky. Which, so the northern lights. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. That makes sense. And the most physical part was then allowed to be reincarnated into a clan descendant. So that was their... The, the reason. Bones. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. The reason behind everything. And so in more modern day Lingit culture, they do what's called a potlatch. <laughs> so, and I'm laughing because it... Is about the most extra funeral I've ever heard of. Like, extra, extra. Read all about it. It's so much going on that there's... I could do a whole podcast just on potlatches. Yeah. It was... I want to know. I want to go to one. Yeah. Sounds like it's pretty good. Oh. Oh, man. It's... I mean, I have written here... Um, let me see. Drinking, gambling, music, dancing, eating, donations, a money dance... <laughs> Yeah. See, money dance. <laughs> Don't, not sure what that is, but I imagine like the skating rink when you're in the box and there's the air blowing and the dollars are flying around. Yeah. And you're just trying to grab as oh, many yeah. as you can. That's what I'm envisioning. That would be a money grab. Okay, money grab. Money dance would be what Layla was doing in the living room today, but for money. Okay. <laughs> for donations gotcha. for the, the cause of the funeral. Gotcha. That makes sense. I mean, who wouldn't pay for that? I know, right? I'll, you can pay me, guys. Yeah. I'll come dance at your potlatch. And so the potlatch was How hell. do you spell that? P-O-T-L-A-T-C-H. Oh, just like it sounds. Okay. Yeah. All right. And um, hmm. so what you the main thing you need to know about the potlatch that is extremely involved and very ceremonial and so i'm just gonna and it seemed like from clan to clan things were a little bit different so one account i read they did this and then somewhere else they did this and those two things might have contradicted each other so i'm just gonna list a few from different sources and different articles Mm -hmm. Just so you can get an overall yeah. picture of some of the stuff going on at a potlatch. Again, don't cite us. Yeah, <laughs> don't cite <laughs> us. So, um, they select 10 grave digger. Or, okay, when someone dies, the arrangements are made by either the maternal nephews or the clan leaders. And then they select 10 grade, grave diggers who have to dig the morning of the funeral, no matter rain, snow, cold, or sunny. So no matter the conditions, those 10 grave, di- grave diggers have to get it dug. Six pallbearers, six people to make the casing for the grave, which is just a case for the coffin to sit in, and four people to make the grave marker. And this is usually a little house that they put on top of the grave. So That's a lot of people. <laughs> yes. 
I don't even know if I know that many people. Oh, and the potlatch is held one year after death. And sometimes they may be combined with other family. Like other families might come together and do one potlatch so that that will incorporate several different people within the clan. So the the grave isn't dug for a year afterwards. Yeah, according to this, yeah, that it wasn't dug. Until, but I mean, I mean, if you, you, I mean, you could just put a, a body on your back porch True. and keep it cold enough yeah. for most of the year. No so. one needs refrigeration. Yes. <laughs> so. Um, Welcome speeches were customary to call upon a grandchild to, quote unquote, run a party. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. The grandchild is brought in with the words, and this is the English translation, we're going to stick a spear through our grandchild's throat. And then... (laughs) That just doesn't sound very fun. No. I wouldn't volunteer for that. (laughs) Like, I don't... This sounds a little Hunger Games to me. It sounds like a sacrifice, I gotta be honest. (laughs) I'm going to take that as the literal translation is. <laughs> but what it really just meant was the grandchild um, will be speaking for the clan. Okay. So, so that's it's a little confusing. Yeah. <laughs> um, another big part was face painting and dress up. So a Fine. child of the it's clan. It's like a carnival. Yeah. Yeah. So a child of the clan was called on to paint the faces of the host clan with black charcoal because they were the ones in, a mor- in mourning. And... As far as the clothing is concerned, this is a little confusing, but they might bring in the deceased person's clothing or regalia, and then they were called the masterless things. Because the person's gone. Yeah. Gotcha. And it has not been worn since they passed and will be worn for the first time during the ceremony. By people there? Yeah. Yeah. By people there wear their clothes. Hmm. I'm not. hmm. Yeah. Don't ever wear my clothes. They're mine. (laughs) They belong to me. During this ceremony called stepping into the masterless things and so if there was a a chief or someone higher up within the clan a lot of times the grandchildren would wear the clothes but that doesn't necessarily mean that they were going to be a clan leader and it didn't necessarily mean that they inherited the clan regalia so it was just kind of part of the ceremony for them to wear it maybe give it new life i don't know Interesting. Some, or maybe some, take some yes. of the energy from yes, it. Take, yeah, take energy, give energy. Yeah. So, hmm. And then I also found an article that said the deceased person's clothes were burned, which is a complete contradiction. So I guess still making energy. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway. Morning, they smoked the clothes. <laughs> during the morning songs, men dance with sticks that signify the sticks their ancestors used to stir the cremains of the deceased. And women dance with yarn tassels hung from the ears. Wait, to symbolize so it wasn't the, it's not the stick, like the actual sticks? No. Okay. I, I, guess, I guess over time those have been, and that might be something that they don't necessarily do anymore. Do anymore. Gotcha. And yeah, so donations of ribbon and blankets and the ribbons are used for a specific burial ceremony and like I said, it's all very complicated and all very complex. So that's just a few of the things. Yeah. I could go so much further, but we're just going to just to give you like an, a parade. Yeah. Just to give you an idea of the overall idea of what the potlatch is all yeah. about. And so the other clans um, grouping of clans on the coastal plain were the Haida and rather than individual burial they oh so this isn't these aren't the same no they're but i just they just real close yeah so they're they're real close together because they're both on that they coexist. yeah on that same yeah yeah gotcha and 
they can't really be included in the other groups because they also have a permanent settlement, but they're still different culturally. Yeah, okay. And linguistically. So, yeah. Huh. So the Haida, rather than individual burial, they would place the remains of the people who had died into a large open pit behind their village. Rather than embalmment, caskets, or even cremation, these remains were left to nature, so they just... Smelled great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are a lot of counts of the, the smell. So yeah. is that, I mean, that's it? Yeah. They just, when they die. So, I mean, you think about that. The lingot are like, let's the do difference. this. Really complex. And then the hater are like, well, I'll throw them in a pit. <laughs> the hater. Leave it for the wolves. They're like, God, these fucking loud assholes. I'm trying to get some sleep. They're always fucking celebrating somebody dying. Yeah, we're not doing that. Yeah. We've got school in the morning. <laughs> it's just, we're like, a quiet people, yeah. okay? Yeah, we don't, okay, finally, we've lost someone at school, whatever, throw them away. We need to do some hunting. We mm-hmm. need to do some gathering. Yeah. We got shit to do. So, oh, and they, we, they, we need to got, we have some totem poles to build because they're like, they did that. When you picture a totem pole, the Hada. So, the chiefs, shamans, and warriors received a special burial. Burial. Their remains were crushed with clubs so they could fit inside a wooden box to be placed atop a totem pole in front of the man's longhouse. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Sounds a little brutal. Yeah. These guys are very different. <laughs> the, the totem poles displayed various icons which acted as guardians as the man's spirit made its journey into the next world. Okay. So that's okay. that's it for the Hada. They're okay. just a very simplified version. I can't imagine like like <clears throat> those two clans like hanging out or like <laughs> running into each other in a dark alley. Do you know what I mean? Like, just, <laughs> on a dark iceberg. On a dark iceberg. <laughs> like, oh shit. It's one of them. They don't get us. We don't get them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's funny. Okay. Let's just leave each other alone. We'll be clubbed and shoved into a totem pole. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> all right. And then the final grouping would be the Inuit. I'm using the word Inuit, even though white people <laughs> um, <laughs> divide them culturally into the um southern northern interior interior and coastal eskimos but it, there's contradiction about whether the native the indigenous people even like the term eskimo it seems over, overall they prefer the term yeah. inuit so i'm using the term inuit to encompass the rest of alaska which yeah. were nomad a nomadic people yeah. so okay. that's that's kind of the distinction here is the people on the islands had more permanent settlements and then the people on the main on the mainland yeah. mainland were nomadic. There were many, many different divisions and separations and clans, but they were all nomadic and so therefore had similar burial practices sure. for the purpose of the research yeah. and not this not being a seven hour episode God. that's it's like part seven yes. of the Inuit people. because it really just you would see that a lot of them had very similar burial sure. practices so yeah. anyway but I won't but would be different in other ways yeah. yeah but I want to just make it aware that I do recognize that there were they're not all the same yeah it would be like saying everyone in the U.S. is the same or everyone in Georgia is the same yeah. you know it's yeah so anyway that's just making that distinction gotcha um in summer, they traveled by kayak and lived in animal skin tents. In winter, they traveled by dog sled and lived in sod houses or igloos while traveling for food. We're mostly nomadic, so burials were very of the moment. <laughs> like, really just 
wherever someone died, they had to sort they, of. That's where they went. Yeah. Well, they had to make. Was it a nomadic? Of, yeah, they had to. There wasn't a, a permanent settlement. There wasn't a place to have a cemetery or anything like that. So, they had no special tomb, and yeah, much less a cemetery. But one before burial, the women of the camp washed the body of the deceased and adjusted the hair. On dead women, they braided the hair starting at the forehead. Forms of burial. Most commonly, they wrapped the body in a large blanket of caribou hide or wool and What's laid... It? Is caribou like a moose? Yeah, a deer. Yeah. Oh, okay. Elk, deer, moose, caribou, okay. reindeer. All of those gotcha. are sim- similar. Yeah. Hide or wool and laid it down far out in the tundra, face up. Then they stacked cairns or rocks, cairns on top. To protect the body from being eaten by animals, nevertheless, scattered human bones can be found throughout the tundra, testifying to the work of carnivores. So, basically, Marla's dream burial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Exactly. That's exactly what she wanted. I know. That's funny. Um, But she'd be like, don't even put the stones on top of me. Just leave me. Yeah. Um, Feed me to the wolves. The wolves and the polar bears. And (laughs) it's just... (laughs) I want to be dinner. (laughs) Yes. Want to go back to the earth. Yeah. So, it was... It sounds to me it was more of a... This is sort of the best we can do. We want to treat the body with respect. We're going to clean it. We're going to braid the hair. We'll do what we can, but we're in the middle of a freaking frozen ice field. Yeah, there's, we're not going to take... There's nothing we can do. Not going to take much more time Yeah, here. that's... You know, yeah. I mean, it's realistic. It's yeah. that it's To me, it speaks of the harsh environment of Alaska, but yeah. it's also kind of beautiful that yeah. they... Yeah, well, I mean, you know, what you, from whence you came, from yeah, the earth, you're yeah. giving back. So... Another type were sea burials, where they would send the body off to the ocean in the kayak. So if you just happened to die while they were on a, on the coast, you, did. you might get a sea burial. Um, and tree burials, where they would raise a canoe or box into the treetops to house the remains and avoid carnivores. So literally hoisted the remains up into a tree. And I was reading different accounts of people who now, like, you, there are certain areas where you can walk through the trees and see little boxes, like several. It's kind of the closest that they have to cemeteries because mm-hmm. there'll cool. be just a cluster of boxes up in a tree. That's crazy. Those trees, like, I mean, they're so old, I imagine. Yeah. They're so big. Yeah. Like, but, I, can, I can envision it. Yeah. I wonder what kind of trees. Not an oak tree. No. I, yeah, I'm not <laughs> sure what. Yes, not an arborist. So I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what type of tree. Damn it. Maybe um, birch, possibly. I don't Anyway. Know. That's, um, that was the thing I was saying that I didn't actually care about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah whatever. I'll Google it. Believe, and then, of course, they believe the royal aurora borealis was a sign from the deceased. So they... Like, hey. Yeah, I mean, I, those are all yeah. of our loved ones. How that, can you not just have a say, religious that experience? Makes a lot of sense yeah. for them. Or for, for like, I would imagine every clan would have yeah some sort of basis with that right and obviously this isn't what they do anymore in you in inuit culture but one of the traditions that has carried through even with the, uh, christianity being more prevalent um is the n- naming of a child after someone who has recently died so okay it's like which oh, would be yeah common and old jack just died so new baby's name is jack you're jack yeah so yeah. now you're jack to bring fortune so i mean well fortunate mm -hmm. they were they're dead yeah (laughs) Uh, whatever so my pages were stuck together grief is weird grief is weird (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, and so that's basically it for the indigenous side of things. Um, what I came up with, because so that's just a very broad strokes version of the indigenous people and how they pre-Christianity buried. And I thought it was important to include something about the current Lingot burial practices mm-hmm. with the pot potlatches because they're so Cause popular now. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, the next part is... We're vying for an invite. <laughs> That's why. Okay. An article by Bob Farrell, Burying the Dead in Alaska is More Complicated Than You Think. Wait. Uh, by Cody Liska, and it's about an undertaker named Bob Farrell. Bob has been burying the dead for 42 years. Anything that you think of, I've probably buried it. Victims of ATV accidents, oh. snowmobile accidents... Fishing accidents, mining accidents, <gasps> airplane accidents, moose attacks, oh god, bear maulings, exposure. A person traveling yeah. from one village to another in the dead of winter. I intended that pun. <laughs> <laughs> their snowmobile, their snowmobile may fall through the ice. They get wet, get out, curl up next to a tree, and they die. Oh. Almost anything you can think of, we deal with. We get a lot of difficult cases that you would seldom see down in the lower 48. I think the first bear mauling that I handled up here in the early 80s, it just kind of took me aback because I hadn't been around that. Like what the bear would eat off the human and stuff like that. <laughs> so that's his. Yeah, what do you What do you have left? Yeah. I'm, uh. And ha- no, that's a closed casket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> me no doubt Let's one would hope let hope so one would hope that's intense but yeah you, that's just something you don't hear a lot about in the lower 40 i mean we have bear yeah all over the u.s but like a like yeah like atv accidents you hear about them more here than you do yeah. uh new york city or yeah. something or i don't know something like that but uh, snowmobile oh, snowmobiles falling through yeah, the ice through ice life. just the in Alaska conditions are extreme there are only three to four months out of the year when burial is possible if someone dies the other eight to nine months out of the year they're put on ice until burial is possible this usually means in a morgue or memorial facility that can house anywhere from two to 80 bodies so yeah due to this conundrum in the burial process it can take it can make the mourning period even more difficult for the loved ones left behind, which I had never thought about. Thought about. Yeah. Undertakers must be willing to go above and beyond to be there for families during the grief process. One family requested the, their grandfather be embalmed, then propped in his recliner so all the children could walk through and see him one last time. So these were all accounts by the undertaker, Bob Farrell. But okay. he was just explaining how... A recent article. Yeah. yeah. And so he was just explaining how you have to... These people are basically having to go through all this twice. Like they yeah. they lose their loved one. They're processing it. And then months later, they have to go through yeah. the process of the, the actual burial when they want to have their loved one buried. Well, so. that's where like sort of some of the um, Mexican and Filipino funeral yeah. traditions would be somewhat helpful yeah you know oh for sure and it, i don't know i was just looking up the population of alaska yeah um because i'm like two to 80 people like how many morgues per i guess Air, you know the, what i mean the biggest one in alaska is 80 
80. So that's not the norm. Okay. I mean, it sounded like there were a lot of just like converted garages yeah. that they used to store a few oh, bodies wow. in. So. Yeah. I mean, I could, it, when you say it like that, that does. Yeah. That's not. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. But also like you'd have to pay if you, you're not going to keep them at your home, then you're going to yeah. have to pay pretty exorbitant amount if you're trying to do something extravagant where you can constantly go and see them and celebrate you know what i mean right it'd be super expensive so the population of alaska if anyone was interested is (laughs) 739,795 so anchorage only has 294,356 people so it's not like super dense population right and it's such a large mass of land yes okay that makes sense um and then the rest of this is written by Wayne Mergler from his article, The Alaskan Way of Death. And so it's three stories that sort of really demonstrate to me how the just conditions of Alaska and the Alaskan way of life and the Alaskan way of death. So you're obviously not the first person to think about this. Like right. What, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. One. This family did not live in Anchorage or Fairbanks or in any other town in Alaska. They had homesteaded years ago and now lived in a sprawling compound of cabins and caches and outhouses deep in the northern wilderness. When their grandfather, the family patriarch, died, he left specific instructions that he wanted to be laid to rest beneath his favorite white birch tree at the edge of his property, where he could look out over mountains and rivers and be at peace. And so the family promised to honor his wishes. But Grandfather died in the winter, when the temperatures outside were 60 below. (laughs) They knew they could not bury him then, so they built a coffin and put Grandfather in the coffin and left him sealed up and frozen on the front porch (laughs) of his cabin in the sub-zero weather. When spring came and the thaws began, they knew that they still could not yet bury him, because the ground was still frozen, oh, yeah. but the temperatures were warming. <laughs> yeah. So they revved up their generators and put grandfather in the family freezer along with the moose burgers, caribou steaks, <laughs> and salmon fillets. And there grandfather stayed until at long last, in July or August, the <laughs> ground thawed enough for him to be placed within it. Oh my God. <laughs> so you can imagine, yeah. due to these harsh conditions, Cremations are fairly popular yeah, in Alaska. Yeah. I mean, that's that seems to be overwhelmingly what people prefer. Yeah. But I mean, can, just to get some warmth. Yeah. <laughs> let's just warm it up. Over here. You know what? I just like everyone standing around the fire, the oven. <laughs> so everyone's standing around me, around my funeral pyre. <laughs> a funeral pyre. A funeral pyre. <laughs> I didn't know what a funeral pyre was, but I do now. Yes. It's, For those of you that might not know, it's just a, we'll call it a bed of branches. of A bed of fire. A bed of branches that are set afire with a body on top. Yes. So, <sighs> um, so number two, Alaskans who are cremated often leave instructions that they want their ashes to be scattered over the mountains or over the blue glacier-fed streams and rivers or over the sprawling, undulating tundra. A group of friends take the urn full of ashes out to some beautiful, specified place and scatter the contents into the wind, complete with prayers or songs or poetry. But sometimes it doesn't go quite as planned. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) I'm reminded now of my friend Fred and his pal Ernie. 
Fred and Ernie were both pilots, each flying his own little twin-engine plane, and it was Ernie's last request that his ashes be scattered from his plane over the magnificent Alaskan mountains. Fred, of course, agreed to do it. Oh, no. So up in the plane, Fred went, with Ernie in, in an urn resting beside him on the passenger seat. He had chosen a splendid summer day with the truly spectacular Alaskan vistas stretched out below him. Those who fly up were strongly main those who fly up here strongly maintain that the only way to really see Alaska is from a small plane. Mm. When Fred reached a particular peak or whatever spot had been decided upon for this event, he took up Ernie's urn, pulled out the cork, opened the window of his cockpit, and dumped Ernie out. Suddenly, unexpectedly, startlingly, startlingly, Ernie's ashes, instead of cooperating and scattering to the winds, came back in a huge whoosh into Fred's face, <laughs> his hair, his mouth, and nose, all over his clothes and into the cockpit of the plane. <laughs> like um, in Big Lebowski. Yes. Remember when John Goodman is it who's dumping the ashes and he just all of them just come back? <laughs> yes, always factor in wind when scattering ashes. Can you imagine that like if you're at a top, high peak and you're in a plane? Yeah. <laughs> just physics i yeah. guess i mean weather that's physics and weather guys come on so ernie yes was in the urn funny uh, <laughs> but ernie got the last laugh <laughs> yes exactly it's <laughs> like <laughs> so i knew exactly what i was yep. doing this whole time yep. fred <laughs> fred well like, as soon as i said that both of Seth and's computer screens came on, so we are being haunted again. There you go. That's good. By Fred this time. Or good. Ernie. Sorry. Ernie. 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 Think. Hi, Ernie. Hi, Ernie. What's up? Look at that picture, too. That's very scary. Yeah. yeah. Why would you pick that as your screensaver? I, I think he has one that, like, rotates images. <laughs> okay. And now they just shut off. That's <laughs> so weird. Okay, cool. This oh, is just cool. part cool, of the cool, podcast cool, funeral cool. stories. <laughs> So Fred slammed the window shut, spat and spat again, and tried to wipe the thick gray ash from his eyebrows, his face, and his hair. Ernie was, quite literally, all over the place. <laughs> Fred did his best to clean up Ernie to get as much ash as he could out of the plane, but he admits that it was always, it has always bothered him greatly that most of Ernie, instead of being dust in the wind over the mountains of the Alaska Range, actually resides in a vacuum cleaner at Merrill, <laughs> Merrill Field in Anchorage. <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> he never had the heart to tell Ernie, Ernie's widow what really happened oh no his only consolation in all this is that he knows Ernie would think it was all quite hilarious <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome <gasps> and then third and final I mean this story was just too good <laughs> so <laughs> another wild story to illustrate the Alaskan way of death concerns Gordon Gordon was a beloved and admired musician, a composer, conductor, and a great guy. At the end of his life, he was living in a cabin on a mountaintop south of Anchorage, in a place so remote and so high that in the winter it could only be reached using skis or snowshoes. Gordon lived there alone, and one night he passed away. Days passed. I'm not sure how many, because before anyone realized that they had neither seen nor heard from Gordon in a suspiciously long time. Finally, when cell phone calls were un went unanswered, a group of his friends donned skis and snowshoes and began the climb up the mountain to Gordon's remote airy. When they finally arrived, they found the cabin cold and dark and Gordon dead in his bed. 
It was what they had feared, and it took them a while to get to figure out what to do, how to get Gordon's body down the mountain. Mm-hmm. Eventually, they wrapped Gordon up in a blanket and tied his body onto a sled. From there, they began the long and dangerous descent of the mountain. As they skied along, trying desperately to keep the sled under control, they began to realize that this was going to be even harder than they had feared. Soon, gathering momentum, they found themselves flying along the icy slopes, unable to control the sled. Until at last, the sled broke free, and Gordon, still wrapped in his blanket, (laughs) shot down the mountain ahead of them like a bullet. (laughs) Down, down, down the slippery slopes, Gordon flew, while his friends frantically tried (laughs) to keep up and failed. I'm sure. Again, physics. I'm just picturing this just a speeding object flying down the Oh my god. Eventually Gordon and the sled ended up at the bottom of the mountain, resting against a clump of brush where the skiers finally caught up with him. (laughs) (laughs) The guys had to laugh heartily when their adventure was at last over. Gordon, they knew, would certainly see the humor in all this, and Gordon would have loved this one last adventure, (laughs) this one last wild ride down the mountain. I was about to say, it's like a roller coaster. (laughs) God, terrifying, too. In fact, as a tribute to Gordon, the composer and conductor, his musical friends wrote a composition for an orchestra called (laughs) Gordon's Last Ride, (laughs) which was eventually performed by orchestras in the in the area my daughter joanna who had known gordon well was one of the musicians who performed gordon's last ride and loved the piece oh she said it is so bizarre for gordon so bizarre so wild so alaskan mm. and so that's it that's my research on alaskan i want to go there even more now <laughs> that sounds fun yeah. sounds very different yes even more so than ice fishing. Yes. Very. I mean, at least I feel, I mean, we've already. Negative 60 degrees. Yeah. We'd Inside. already heard that in, you know, Wisconsin and places up north where snow and snows in the ground gets frozen that they have to wait for it to thaw. But Alaska is just a whole different yeah. animal. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can see Russia from your backyard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Duh. So, I mean, soup's cold. Soup's cold, guys. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. But, you know, I think I love the Big Lebowski-esque story about the (laughs) pilot throwing Ernie out. Fred and Ernie. So funny. Fred and Ernie. Poor Ernie. Good friend, though. Laid laid to rest in the vacuum cleaner. Can you imagine getting ashes in your mouth? It's just so pasty. And you do, you're like, you know you're going to salivate, and then you, you just have to spit. Because you don't want to swallow your friend. Oh, no. Like, and then oh. your eyes, it burns. Yeah. Did you watch that video of the woman who was just slowly eating her loved one's cremains? Just finger, would nope. just dip her finger in and nope. eat a little bit. Grief, grief is weird. Grief is weird. <laughs> so, huh, huh. Well, safe. I feel safe saying that if you go before me and you're cremated, then <laughs> don't have to worry about that. A nice, it's like you're reading a recipe and it's like, oh, calls for a little nutmeg <laughs> and uh, some cloves and a little Lara. Oh, just, God. Just, just a little spritz of just, Lara. Just mix it in. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fucked up. Yeah. Give all your cupcakes to everyone at your funeral. That happened at a school. A kid made... Did you hear about this? No? no. Okay. 
<laughs> Maybe we'll save that for an episode. Oh, my God. No, I feel like now you have to say it. <laughs> Unless you don't. Yeah, maybe we'll save that for an okay. episode. Here's a okay. teaser. A little teaser. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there so, we go. <laughs> so here's a little teaser. I love it. Well, thanks, Laura. I think you did a wonderful well, job. thank you so much for listening to my very long... God, I mean, I'm serious. It could have gone so much longer. In depth. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it was just, what do I not include? Because there's yeah. so many details. So I would say to definitely do some, you know, look into the indigenous people of Alaska because they have a very interesting, very rich culture and history. And I wish I could have talked more about that, but I was trying to just focus on the funerary aspects of their culture because, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. For sure. All right. Well, I guess to sum things up, we'll say... Everyone, enjoy your last ride because it all ends in a funeral. Bye, guys. Bye. Funeral Stories is produced by Seth and Molino, and music is by John Pope. Check out our website and blog by going to www.funeralstories.com. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Funeral Stories and on Instagram at Funeral underscore Stories. Donate to our cause on Patreon to unlock subscriber rewards. And please don't forget to send your funeral stories to funeralstoriespodcast at gmail.com or hello at funeralstories.com. Rate, review, and subscribe on Apple iTunes and listen on your preferred podcasting service. Thanks, guys. Bye.